So today uh, we're concluding a series that we have called uh, Prophets, Priests, and Healers. And um, this is actually the last time that I'm, gonna, that I'm going to be preaching or sharing with you from this pulpit um, before I leave for a sabbatical. And so I spent this week thinking and praying about what is in my heart, what is God putting in my heart to say to you today as the final message in the series and uh, as my final message before I leave for a while. And I think after working and, and praying about this, um, I think I would be happy leaving you with this message um, before I go um, and just what the Lord has put on my heart to say. And, and I trust that if you're going to respond to anything I say today, it's going to be because God has spoken to your heart and he has spoken through me. So we're going to start by actually looking at the book of Ephesians. Um, I preached on Ephesians last time that I, that I spoke. We're going to take a look again at Ephesians. So if you have a Bible... Um, if you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles in the seats um, uh, in, in front of you, or if you're sitting in a front row, then you might have to like reach behind you or open up the app on your phone. But we're looking at Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start with verses 3 through 8. And this is what verses 3 through 8 say. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. So let me stop there for a while. I want to kind of set set up what Paul is saying to us here, okay? Paul, in this letter, he's praising God that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, what does that mean? He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Well, he outlines, what are those blessings? If God has blessed us with all these heavenly blessings, what are those blessings? And he tells us. He outlines some of those right here. He says three things. In verse 4, it says, He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. He also says that in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. That's not sonships. Sonship, okay? Through Jesus Christ in according with his pleasure and will. Okay? Predestined us for adoption to sonship. And then it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Holy and blameless, adopted to sonship, and redeemed. I want you to remember those three things, okay? Because these three things will be the foundation for the rest of what I have to say today. Now let's take these things apart a little bit and talk about what each one of them means, okay? Holy and blameless in his sight, in love. I discovered this week that in the original Greek, the the, the original language... When you read this scripture, it actually says, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. In the NIV version, the NIV, the NIV version that I just read, it says, he predestined us to be holy and blameless in his sight, period, and then in love he predestined us. But in the Greek, it actually says, he 
he, pre, he, he, he chose us in him to, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. I don't know about you, but this idea that God wants us to be holy and blameless, it has a lot of pressure and baggage that comes with it. I don't know if you feel that, but I do. I have this, this misconception that, that God sits there criticizing me for not being holy and blameless enough. That being holy and blameless is something that I need to try really hard to do every day. Some of you who have ever been through AA or any, any similar um, groups will understand the term white-knuckling it. You're just holding on for dear life and just trying really hard to be holy and blameless. And that's the feeling that I get when I hear, you must be holy and blameless. Oh, okay, i got to try really hard. But what if? What if being holy like God is holy and blameless without any fault or blemish? What if it's not just some requirement that God tacked on and said, now you have to do this? <laughs> Try and figure that out, sucker, right? What if being holy and blameless is actually what God made us to be anyway? What if this was his intention all along for us? Because did you know that it is? In, in one part of the creation account in Genesis, uh, God says this when he makes Adam. He says, uh, it says that God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. So when he talks about us being holy and blameless in his sight in love, he is simply talking about restoring us to our original identity. This is who we were made to be. This is not just something God threw into the mix like, oh yeah, now I want you to be holy and blameless, by the way. This is who he already made us to be. He is restoring us to who we were always meant to be. So he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. It's a love thing. It's not a pressure thing. It's not that he's criticizing us. He has chosen us to be holy and blameless out of his love for us. So that's the first thing. Right? We're talking about what are these heavenly blessings in the heavenly realms that he's given us. The first one is that he's chosen us to be holy and blameless. I don't know about you, but that takes a lot of pressure off of me. He, cho he chose me to be holy and blameless. So he must be the one that's going to give me the ability to be holy and blameless because he chose me to do it. It's not something that I have to try to work up for myself. The second thing is, it says, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with with his pleasure and will. Again, this wasn't an afterthought. It says he predestined us for adoption into sonship. I want to talk for a minute about this word sonship, okay? Because what about the women, right? What about the daughters? Why doesn't it say sonship and daughtership? Come on, Bible. Come on, Paul. Why don't you say both? There's, there's actually a reason why it says sonship, though, okay? In, in the Jewish culture, especially in these days, the sons were the ones who had all the rights. And if as a woman you hear that and you say, well, what the heck? Like, what, what about the daughters? Yeah, I, I can see how you would feel like that, right? But, but in those days, it was understood that the sons were the ones who had all the rights. The daughters, they were the ones who were given in marriage, basically like property, right? The daughters, they didn't get the education that the sons did. They didn't have the respect or the authority that the sons did. They didn't receive the benefits as heirs of their father's inheritance, like the sons did. 
But when Paul says that you have been adopted into sonship, he's not just talking to the men like, yeah, all of you are like sons. What he is saying is, sonship is his way of saying you are all counted as heirs. You are all counted as full recipients of the benefits of being children of God. Do you understand what this means? It means that every single child of God, man or woman, from all backgrounds, no matter what you look or smell like, no matter what your gifts and talents are, no matter what your personality is, you are full heirs of the riches of God's blessings. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. Do you understand this? This is part of the blessing. This is one of the blessings that God has blessed us with in Christ. We are all full heirs. Do any of you ever feel like second-class citizens in the kingdom of God? Maybe because of your background, maybe because of your past or your history, or maybe because of your inadequacies, maybe because you're like, well, I never went to seminary, I never studied the Bible, I don't know Greek or Hebrew, I don't, I don't even know like Bible verses by heart or memory, I, I'm new to this church thing, I don't know what all this is about. Do, do any of you ever feel like second-class citizens because you're not you're not quite, you're not like a super Christian, right? You're not a pastor, or you're not a, you're not a, you have some kind of label or title or status. Paul is saying there is no such thing. If you are in Christ, you have full rights and privileges as an heir, as a child of God. Is that not a blessing or what? Amen? And then it says, in him we have redemption through his through Christ's blood, in his, through his blood. In the original language, the word for redemption means something more like deliverance, right? Deliverance. Deliverance means he brought us out from somewhere and he brought us to somewhere. From death to life, right? From hope, from, from despair to hope, from fear to faith, from worthlessness to eternal value. He delivered us to our true identity by shedding his own blood on the cross for us as a perfect sacrifice. He has redeemed us. He has given us our identity and our worth. Imagine that someone were to look at your life and they see all the broken and the useless pieces of your life. Do anybody here besides myself have any broken or useless pieces of your life? And you, you look at your life and you think, the heck is God going to do with that? Nothing. But imagine someone looks at your life and they say, that's just trash. All they see is trash, Right? But then God, your Father, he sees those pieces, and he sees what they could be, and he, he takes those pieces, and he builds them into something beautiful and extraordinary and meaningful. That's what redemption means. Is that not a blessing? Is that not a blessing to know that God takes the broken and, and seemingly useless pieces of your life and says, I'm going to build something beautiful out of that? That is a blessing. My brothers and sisters, I want to ask you today, do you know your identity? Do you know that this is who you are? You're chosen to be holy and blameless in God's sight, in love. That you have been predestined in love for adoption to full inheritance as a child of God. Do you know that you have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for you on the cross? Do you know holy and blameless, adopted to inheritance, redeemed. This is who you are. Now, why is this important? Why do we need to know this? Why did I take all this time to explain this to you? I thought we were talking about prophets, priests, and healers. Once we know who we are, 
then we can discover what it is that we are supposed to do. Then we can discover what it is that we are supposed to do. Once we know our identity, then we discover our purpose. And I want you to know this, okay? That, that our God is not a God who just looks around for like a warm body to fill a spot, right? And sometimes we do this in, in church or they do this maybe at your workplace. It's like, you know, hey, this person just got fired and they just left and we don't have anybody. So here, you, you're not doing anything right now, right? So come and do this thing, right? right? Hey, you, you, you have some talent or skill or ability, so just come and... God doesn't work that way. God doesn't just want to use us for what we can do. And I know a lot of times we use this language in church, like Jesus is going to use me. And yes, that's true. God doesn't use what we have to offer. But he never does that until he first communicates to us who we are, our identity. You understand what I'm saying? Continuing in Ephesians 1, I'm going to read at verse 8. So it says, With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and, and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, listen to this, in order that we, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. See, what God is doing here is he's letting us in on his master plan, that he's going to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Does this sound like good news to you? Because it sounds like good news to me. Do you, when you look at this world and what's going on in this world and the wars or impending wars that are happening right now, isn't it good news to know that God is somehow working all things to be under unity, under Christ? This is what God is doing. And then he says this, we were chosen according to God's will to be what? For the praise of his glory. Your life is to be for the praise of his glory. That our lives, what we do every day, how we love, the way we do even the most routine of activities might be for the praise of God's glory. Our lives will cause others to praise the glory of God. These lives right here, chosen to be holy and blameless, selected for adoption to sonship, redeemed through Christ's blood, we are meant to be for the praise of God's glory. Why? Because God just loves having all the attention and praise for himself because he's narcissistic and selfish. He is bringing all things together in unity under Christ. Christ is the only one who can bring that unity. So how do we do this? How do we live out our identity so that our lives are for the praise of God's glory? By trying really hard, by racking up enough points, by doing enough good deeds so God will let you into his club? Listen to how Paul finishes this section. How do we do it? How do we live for the praise of his glory? He says in verse 13, And you were included, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Not a seal like, oh, oh, but a seal, right? Like a, like a mark that proves who you are, right? You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise, there it is again, to the praise of his glory. 
You are included in Christ when you hear the gospel of truth and when you believe that gospel, and then you are given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside of you is the mark that you belong to God, and the Holy Spirit is what causes your life to be for the praise of God's glory. Nothing else. Nothing else by itself will cause your life to be for the praise of God's glory. Not your talent, not your money, not your personality, not your experience, not your knowledge, not your education, not your position, not your accomplishments. The mark that you are holy and adopted and redeemed. And what makes your life count toward the praise of God's glory is the Holy Spirit within you. And what Paul says is that when you have that, you have the Holy Spirit when you hear the gospel and when you believe. How many of you have heard the gospel, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and have believed in that gospel? How many of you can say that? You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. So now what? What does that have to do with being a prophet and a priest and a healer? Because before you even start thinking about what to do, like I said, you need to start with who you are. Then you can start to begin to think what you should be doing. It would be a huge mistake for me to get up here on this last day of this series and try to tell you that you just need to get out there and be prophets, priests, and healers in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces without first proclaiming to you who is this great God and what is the identity that he's given you. But now that I have proclaimed this to you and the identity that he has given you, now it's time to talk about the so what. What do you do with that? So God has given you this great identity. What do you do with it? What does this identity cause you to do in this world? And this is where we begin to talk about your purpose. And everyone has a purpose. Everyone has something that they were put on this earth to do. Everyone has people that they were put on this earth to love and help and serve. Everyone. There is no one who is excluded from this. And if you are in Christ, you are definitely not excluded from this. You have a purpose in Christ. Everyone who follows and believes and belongs to Jesus Christ is called to be a prophet or a priest or a healer at different times and to different people and sometimes maybe all at the same time. Everyone has a purpose, something to do with the knowledge of this great God and the identity he gives. I want you to ask yourself today, do you know your purpose? What's your thing in life? Have you discovered what it is that God is calling you to do with the identity that he's given you? But I want to ask you another question, kind of a, a, a sub-question or a second part to that question. If you think you've discovered your major purpose in life, or at least a major purpose for your life, have you, dis have you even considered, have you discovered that there may be something else you could be doing that you just haven't thought of? Have you ever considered that just like you have a purpose, you may also have a repurpose? Because I believe that everyone has a purpose and everyone also has a repurpose. Everyone has a purpose and everyone has a repurpose. I want to I put this in terms of, of things or objects, right? Every item that you see, right? A hanger. What is a hanger for? Hanging clothes, right? What if a hanger could be used for more than that? What if a hanger could be used for, I don't know, decoration? Or a weapon? Or for s'mores, right? Unbend those hanger, the wire hanger and use it for s'mores, right? A purpose and a repurpose, right? All gets it. 
I want to give you some examples of things that have a purpose, or maybe once had a purpose, but then somebody actually had the creativity and the wisdom to find other purposes for these things. For example, a ladder shelf. Look at how someone put a ladder on the wall and is using it as a bookmark. Someone who likes Dan Brown, apparently. Eh? The Da Vinci Code. How about this? This vintage suitcase can suddenly become a vintage suitcase chair, which is four legs and a couple of pillows. Purpose and repurpose. How about some, some regular old folding chairs that could also be a kind of closet? Purpose. Anybody get any ideas? You going to try these out at home? If you do, please send pictures, okay? <clears throat> How about this? An, an old piano. Hopefully this, this piano was not usable anymore. They didn't just take a perfectly good piano and turn it into a bookshelf on the wall. Pretty cool, huh? Here's one of my favorites. It's ridiculous, but it actually looks pretty cool. The bathtub couch. <laughs> the bathtub couch. It actually looks kind of cool, doesn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd kind of like to try that out. It probably isn't very comfortable, but it, it looks nice. I, I actually really do want to have this one in my home. Okay, old, old TV, right? Hollowed out, turned into an aquarium. Purpose, repurpose, right? A couple more for you. How about an old computer tower that got turned into a mailbox? Purpose and repurpose. And then, of course, the all-important CD spindle bagel holder, right? Because who doesn't need a bagel holder in their lives? Now, some of these examples might seem ridiculous, like the CD spindle bagel holder, right? But you have to admit that some of these actually require some real creativity, intelligence, definitely a sense of humor. Have you ever considered that people also have a purpose and they also have a re- purpose. Everyone has purposes that they were obviously gifted and made for, but everyone also has purposes which they may have never imagined they could be useful for, but they are. And no, I am not saying we are objects like CD spindles and old discarded computer towers that get discarded when we are no longer useful. Some of us may feel that way at times, but in God's eyes, never. But today I want to ask you to seriously consider what is your purpose and what may be your repurpose. What is the thing that you were put on this earth to do? Are you doing it? What is the thing that might seem unlikely, but you know the opportunity is there for you to do and you could actually make an impact? Are you doing that? Are you living your purpose? Have you discovered and are you living your repurpose? We see lots of examples of this in the Bible. People who are, are, are living out their purpose, but sometimes they're living out a purpose that seems very unlikely. Maybe they repurpose, right? For example, take Paul. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to the Ephesians. He was a hater of Jesus Christ and his followers, persecutor of the church. He was obviously very intelligent and he knew the scriptures. So when he became a follower of Jesus Christ himself, of course he was a great candidate to preach to the educated and high-class people, Right? But that didn't stop him from also preaching to the jailer who was holding him captive in prison when he was unfairly imprisoned, and he introduced the gospel to him. He had a purpose, and he had a repurpose. What if Paul sat in prison and said, man, 
I'm supposed to be out there preaching to the, the educated people. What am I doing sitting here in prison? Stupid guards and dungy, dingy, dirty dungeon. What am I doing here? He would have lost his opportunity to preach to the guards who were standing right there. That was his repurpose. Take Philip, one of Jesus' original disciples. After the same Paul had started persecuting the early Christians, Philip was one of the early disciples who continued preaching in other cities. He went to other cities. He went to Samaria. And in the book of Acts, it tells us it wasn't long before the Lord led him to encounter an Ethiopian eunuch, a eunuch from Ethiopia. You know what a eunuch was? These guys were castrated so they wouldn't mess around with the queens and the princesses, all right? That's what a eunuch was. And this guy, he was in charge of all these different things, and in the book of Acts, it tells us that he came up next to this eunuch's chariot and he helped him to understand the scripture in Isaiah and he introduced him to Jesus Christ. Was Philip Ethiopian? No. Was he a eunuch? No. Was he royalty? No. But he found himself alongside this chariot of this Ethiopian eunuch and he discovered a repurpose for his life to introduce that Ethiopian eunuch to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How about Peter? After Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples needed a leader, and Peter was it. He was a natural leader. He was not afraid to speak up. He was passionate about following Jesus no matter what. But then after he and the other disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, he preached to Jews from all over the world, and that day about 3,000, it says, became disciples of Jesus Christ. He followed Jesus, but before this, he was certainly no preacher. Purpose and repurpose. You know, we don't even have to look far to see examples of those who are living out their purpose, but they're also responding to their repurpose. I want to show you some of our, some of our own friends that some of you may know who are living out their purpose and repurpose. This is our team of people. Uh, the only one not pictured is Sandy, our youth pastor John's wife. But this is our team of people who is in Houston right now, helping with the relief effort there in Houston. And the, the moment they started working, they realized that they are going to make a little dent in the needs that are there. But it's going to be a dent. And they're going to do what they can. So this team is being led by our youth pastor, John Fong. You can see all the way to the right there. And he took a, a couple, uh, three youth and uh, some, some young adults and just some people who decided to give their weekend and go to Houston and just serve the people there. Purpose and repurpose. I want to tell you about my brother Carlos back there. Some of you might not know this, but he can really shred the guitar, all right? But he doesn't often get a chance to, right? Because he's back, he, he, every single Sunday, he's running, the, he's setting up and he's running the sound for our, our Sunday service. And he's good at it. And he does it with a great attitude, which, which really just blesses a lot of people. Sitting back there every Sunday was probably not where he saw himself when he first came to Trinity Church years ago. He's just responding to the need that we have on our worship arts ministry, right? And in case you're watching, Musette, she used to run this worship arts ministry, and she is recovering uh, from, from cancer right now. Musette, we love you, and we miss you, um, and uh, we hope to see you back here soon. Carlos is living out his purpose and his repurpose. My friend Janine who is over with our kids right now, and you can pray for her. She, she hurt her back, and so she's, she's kind of hobbling around trying to help with the kids. She's been our kid, and by the way, Janine's the one on the left. 
case you didn't know. <laughs> the one on the right is her husband, uh, Devin. She's, she, for, for a couple months now, she's been uh, doing an excellent job as our kid ministry administrator. But this is only her side gig. Okay? She, she owns a dance company, and she teaches classes, and they're all over the San Gabriel Valley. Uh, it's super popular. It's doing well. But she responded to the need for leadership within our campus in kid ministry, and we are so thankful for her. And also, by the way, Desiree, if you're watching, she used to be our kid ministry director, and she had to step down because of complications with her pregnancy. Desiree, we miss you too, and we hope to see you back here soon. And we're thankful for your baby girl. Another friend. This is Larry. Larry's the, the grown man. And his son is Caleb in the carrier there. Larry is really good at making and building and fixing pretty much anything. Seriously. He led a team last summer to Ensenada to, to put up some walls at a church in Ensenada. Then shortly after that, he came back here and he led a team of men to do an oil change ministry to like 30-something different cars. But lately, in the midst of the grueling work that he does, he, he has actually taken one of his neighbors under his wing. And he is discipling him and helping to keep him in a good place. Purpose and repurpose. Some of you met Molly a little bit earlier, and her husband Abner is not here. He's hiking Half Dome right now. Or he just got finished hiking Half Dome yesterday, right? He's coming back. Um, they've been doing college campus ministry with University for, for over 15 years. Uh, they are so good at what they do, and, and they're going to continue with this. But in two Sundays, we're going to be welcoming them as our interim campus co-pastors, Stepping in while I'm away on sabbatical for about 12 weeks. Uh, they didn't have to do that. Uh, they're still going to continue with their work with InterVarsity, but they responded to what they believe is an opportunity to serve and build Christ's church. Purpose and re... Are you starting to get the idea? Purpose and repurpose. Your purpose is that thing that you know you were born to do. But your repurpose often is that thing that you would think, I didn't think I was going to be doing this. But the need is there. And I am here. And I can fill that need. I repurpose. And I know there are many, many more examples that I could give of those of you who are living as examples of this, right? That, that you are, are living out your purpose and your repurpose. Some, uh, some opportunities that we have coming up um, that, that you can possibly do something that you didn't imagine that you might do or, or something that you think maybe is not in your wheelhouse. Our men's service day. I know you men work hard during the week and you give a lot to your jobs. I want to invite you out on this one Saturday morning to come and serve some of our church members, some of our, some of our own church family. We don't get the opportunity to do this very often. Could this possibly be one morning where you could experience a repurpose, something that you can do to give to those within our church family? We have a Family Promise host week where we're going to host some homeless families right here on our campus. Some of you I know have never been able to participate with this ministry for one reason or another. And, and I want to speak for a moment directly to the families with kids because I and my wife Gloria, we have three kids and we, we, we understand the, 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 the grueling nature of, of work and 
raising a family and, and life and the craziness and our kids getting lice and getting sick and getting hurt and, uh, you know, getting shots and, get, I mean, it's like all this craziness, right? We get it. But we have found in our family the joy and the blessing of serving together. And it's hard. It's hard. But when we serve in ministries like Family Promise and we team up with a couple of other families and we say, hey, let's just bring some food together and let's just sit and eat with these families, that gives our, our children the opportunity to see what kids have to live through when they don't have a home to go to at night. That gives you as parents the opportunity to see what it's like to be a mom or a dad that doesn't have a home, a place to lay your head at night. It's an opportunity. You may, you may, not, you may think this, this homeless family ministry doesn't really move my heart. Well, maybe all it's going to take to move your heart is for you just to show up one night with a casserole or something and just eat with these families. Purpose and repurpose. Third example I want to give you of something that you can do. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to invite uh, my friend, uh, my, my my friend Don and my new friend Jill. Um, um, they are going to be uh, sharing about our opportunity this year with Team World Vision. We've been doing this for years now, since 2011, I want to say. Um, and some of you, like Carol. Um, and, and, uh, and other people. Henry, right? Henry, you've been running this thing every year, right? Henry, how old? I, I'm sorry to ask you how old you are, but, but Henry, Henry is like, I, I don't know, are you a legacy runner? Are you one of those, those, those people that, right? But I mean, Henry's been running the, the, the full marathon, right? Henry doesn't just go, go half. Henry runs the full marathon, right? We have some, some runners. We have some of you who can attest that you have, are not runners that have been doing this. But I, I want to invite Don up, and he's going to be just sharing some of, uh, some of what, what's happening with Team World Vision. So let's welcome Don Lee. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Before, before Don comes up, uh, can somebody hit the lights? We're going we're gonna to show a video. Sorry, Jenny, to make you get up with a baby strapped to your chest there. <laughs> In 2006, one man heard a divine whisper that he could help the most vulnerable kids in the world by running marathons. So he said yes. He felt God ask him to invite others into the same vision, so he did. Many people felt scared of the unknown. Fear prevailed, and they said no. But many people pushed through that fear, and they said yes. The first year, a hundred people said yes. The next year, four hundred said yes. Then a thousand, then two thousand. As people said yes to new challenges and to changing the lives of kids and communities in Africa, their own lives started to change in drastic ways. I started this year, this is my first year. I have only been out of a wheelchair for two years now. In the beginning I was like, mm, my knees, mm, I got too much weight, mm, hold on. But I stuck with it. And I just went all in. I thought I'm 55, why not? Bev did it at 60, I'll do it at 55. <laughs> this has really brought me back help me recommit my life to the Lord, but uh, also to those less fortunate. And plus the goal of like bringing clean water, that, like that's beautiful. So I was like, this is something I really want to do. We really did a lot of training, just the two of us. And it was such a bonding moment of yeah. that, that time when you, your, your strength is faltering and the person next to you yeah. carries you through it. Well, I've lost 75 pounds through this. And I couldn't imagine my seven-year-old having to go run and get water for our family, so that's what keeps me motivated and focused. I plan on running a marathon every single year until I die. Whoa! 
We'll see how that happens or how that goes. Over the last 10 years, over 25,000 people have joined Team World Vision and they just keep saying that magic word, yes. Every one of those yeses also represents kids in Africa who get to say yes to life, yes to health, yes to an education, yes to hope. Hundreds of thousands of kids. Every movement, every revival, every revolution in the history of mankind has begun because someone said yes. They are yes people. We are yes people. You are one too. As long as there are children in this world without clean water, we will continue saying yes. All right, Trinity, it's so good to be here. I have two questions for you this morning, and it totally falls in line with purpose and repurpose. Uh, these, trick, these questions are not trick questions. They are not rhetorical questions, but they do require verbal response from you, okay? So here's the first question. What if you had the power to change, transform, heal the lives of women and children that are sick or dying? Would you use that power? Yes. That's the right answer. Good job, guys. That's, that's good. All right. Here's my second question. What if I told you you have access to that power, you just have to run a marathon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Laughter, right? A lot of laughter ensues and all that. Definitely, I am totally with you on that. I, w I hated running. Matter of fact, 80% the people that say yes to Team Religion have never d even done a 5K before. But we have a 98% finish rate. And the biggest reason is because they're doing it for something bigger than themselves. They're doing it for kids like Maureen that's in Bartaba, Kenya. Now, Maureen's village has a 50% a child mortality rate. That's a 50-50 shot of making it to the age of five. Think about that, right? We had kids here for our morning worship, and may, maybe half of them will make it, right? And most of that is due to malnutrition and water-related diseases, it's totally preventable. It's the number one preventable disease in the world. Lack of clean water, sanitation, and hygiene, right? And Maureen, she walks every morning six kilometers carrying a 40-pound jerry can twice a day. She's only nine years old, right? And that walk to water is one, considered one of the most dangerous routes. In areas like the Congo, it's one of the leading, tra uh, leading sources of human trafficking because it's mostly women and children doing that water walk. Can you imagine? You, you send out your kid to get the water, and they may not make it back, right? And the water they do bring back, it doesn't bring life. It brings sickness. It brings death at times. But Trinity, you guys, have said that is not good. That is unacceptable. Since 2011, you've been running, and in the last two years alone, you've provided clean water for over 640 children for life. Come on, let's hear, let's hear that. That's awesome. That's Praise God, because you have said yes to this, right? Now, um, uh, do we have the pictures ready? Or those two pictures? Cool. I just, this is kind of going off script. I just wanted you guys to see the, a small sample of, of, of what the, the impact that you've made uh, over the years. And, and so I took a trip to uh, Ethiopia. Is this the... Oh, the, you don't have the other two pictures? You didn't get those? Okay, okay that's fine. That's fine. Okay, no, no worries, no worries. All right. So anyway, uh, um, I'll send you guys those, those, those two pictures. They're awesome. But basically know this, that the, as, as 640 people are getting clean water for life, there's still 600, over 600 million people lacking clean water. I know there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening right now, but there's still crazy stuff happening 
with clean water crisis. It's still a crisis. Kids are dying, and you guys are doing a part of it. So you may be thinking, and you may be hearing this, and you may be like, Don, you don't know me. The only time I would run, like I hate running. The only time I would run, Don, is if I was running for my life. Right? That might be you right now. And I'm here to say you would be, and for the lives of kids like Maureen. So after service today, we're going to take a group picture, I believe. And after that, we're going to have a 10-minute info session. It's non-committal. It's an info session. Right? You want to be here for that. And we'll, we'll uh, you'll learn how walking or running a half uh, marathon will get clean water to these kids. Thank you guys so much. So glad you have the energy, you bring the energy with you for that. Uh, trying, trying to get people to do something that they never imagined that they would do, uh, is a, is, that's a hard sell. Um, but but uh, to be good at painting the picture for why we do it is, is so important. Um, you know, the reason why I feel so urgent about talking about the purpose and repurpose, about discovering what it is that God is calling us to do. The reason I'm sharing this with you today is because I, I believe that, that many of us, too many of us, and, and <clears throat> I'm talking about here in this room, I'm talking about just in, in God's church in general, too many of us may be still living without a sense of this purpose and repurpose. You know, God is ready to designate us to be prophets and priests and healers in this world but if we're being honest, some of us are just not ready for him to do that in us. For some of you, maybe it's simply that you don't know what your purpose is. Maybe you don't know how you fit. Maybe there's too much doubt in your heart. Maybe you feel tied down with just too much other commitment. Maybe you feel like you're too new at this following Jesus thing. Maybe you just don't know where to get started. Maybe you're just waiting to be asked. Maybe you believe that you're just too old or too tired or too weak or you're not capable. For some of us, for being honest, you're not really trying to discover what is that purpose or repurpose that God is calling you to. That's not where your heart is. Maybe you're too distracted. Maybe you're too distracted with some real, some real burdens in your life. And maybe, maybe we're just distracting ourselves with Netflix or video games. I don't know. It could be something very serious and heavy, and it could be something completely avoidable. But what is it that's keeping us from seeing? You know, for many, many weeks, I didn't see our friend Ivy here at, at service. And, and, and we missed seeing her there. And, I, I, and if I wanted to see her, I had to go visit her, which I was happy to do. But I was, I was so moved when I knew what she was going through. And yet, my kids still got a birthday card from her. <laughs> Ivy is so good at just sending birthday cards to people, and she, she keeps track of that. And like, in some small, encouraging way, that's what Ivy can do, and she's doing it. And I look at Ivy, and I think, I mean, I, I wish I could just do something and just help you and, and strengthen your body and fix, you know, fix what's ailing you, you know, but you're, you're, you still do some small part of what you can do. And I appreciate that so much. I appreciate it. It's just so moving when you see somebody like, like the woman who shared on the video who said, you know what, I just, I've been out, how, how long did she say out of a wheelchair for, what, two, 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 two years or something like that? Or, I mean, and then she's there running and 
I know we feel inadequate a lot of times. I know we feel like I don't have anything left to give. And, and I believe that some of us here may feel, especially some of our prime timers, our seniors, maybe you feel like, hey, I've, I've lived out my purpose. It's time for me just to let somebody else do it, whatever the it is. But maybe you're not looking for what is your repurpose. Maybe, maybe you don't believe there is one, or maybe you feel like your time has passed. Whatever the reason is, whatever the reason is, wherever you find yourself, if you're living without a sense of purpose and repurpose, are you hearing what God may be saying to you today? It's not Johnny, it's not the church, it's not the board, it's not religion. This is God saying, I have chosen you, my son or my daughter, I've chosen you for the praise of my glory. You can't do it by yourself. It's why I gave you the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, you can live out your purpose and you can even live out your repurpose. After all, as Ephesians says, at the end of the portion that we read in, chapter, in verse 14, those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. We belong to the Lord. Our lives are for his glory. Some of you may today may be inspired or even just kind of a little bit bothered to discover what it is that God may be saying to you. Maybe your main purpose, maybe your repurpose. Whatever it is, we as your church family, we want to journey together with you to discover what those things might be. There are many different things that you can do to discover what your purpose and your repurpose are in life. There's one thing I want to encourage you to do, especially if you, if you call Trinity Church home. I want to encourage you, I want to make sure that you come for our next sermon series called Dream. Uh, I'm really excited that you're going to get to experience this series, and I'm really sad that I'm not going to be here for most of it, okay? Uh, but you're going to actually be hearing from different people in different generations what God is saying to them. At this time, at this stage in their lives, what is God saying to them about how he is using them in their lives to build his church? What are the dreams? What are the visions that God is giving to his people? From our, our youth to our young adults to our, uh, our young families to our boomers and prime timers, what is God saying to us? Did you know that God still speaks no matter what age you are, no matter what stage of life you are? Did you know that God can still speak to you, that God can still give you dreams and visions of his kingdom? My friends, this is God's church. It's not mine. It's not Albert's. It's not the board's church. What Trinity Church becomes over the next three months, what Trinity Church becomes over the next year, what Trinity Church becomes after Albert and Christine leave, what Trinity Church becomes years from now, is going to be what we become together. I pray today that you will gain a new understanding of who this great God is, that you are daily able to see yourself more and more through his eyes, and that daily you can live out what your purpose, and yes, even what your repurpose is, so that your life might be to the praise of his glory. Worship team, would you join us uh, back up on the stage, please? And would you join me in praying? And would you open your heart and see what is God saying you to you today? And I want to say one more thing. If you're somebody who's like, I'm already living out my purpose and maybe even my repurpose, I'm stretched to the max, I want to encourage you and say, 
ask you, who are you praying for? <coughs> who are you reaching that maybe has not discovered what their purpose or repurpose is? Who can you encourage and help <coughs> and pray for to discover what it is that God is saying to them? Lord, you have called us to be prophets, to speak truth, even when it's hard and even when it hurts. Lord, you have called us to be priests, to reveal the living God to those who are far from this living God. Lord, you have called us to be healers, to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring relief to the sick and the dying and the suffering. But would you open our hearts today, open the eyes of our hearts to see you, who you are, who we are in you, and what it is that you are calling us to do with this identity, this great blessing that we have in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.